Welcome back to Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Rabbi Abe Cooper, a thinker on cybersecurity and hate groups. This is, this is Technotopia. Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York, that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of top secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com. Welcome back to Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Rabbi Abe Cooper. He is the Associate Dean of the Simon Wiesenthal Center. Uh, you're focusing on cyber terrorism, uh, hate on the internet. Rabbi Cooper, welcome to the show. This is uh, some Thank fascinating stuff. Uh, it, it is, especially since you're, you're talking to someone um, you know, who's old enough not to even fully understand all the technologies. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine, because, I, I mean, I think... Uh, I think there's there's plenty of programmers out there, there's, but there's not a lot of thinkers. So somebody who's thinking about this stuff is also going to be fairly important, right? Well, uh, we hope so. And, you know, first, I, I think a good way to talk about the future is to give you some insight into how we've approached this issue. Sure. We're, we're um, a United States-based international NGO. You know, we're at the UN, UNESCO, and other such places. Um, but... You know, we come from the camp that you want to have minimal government intervention, that freedom of speech is important, that you don't want to be the censor on the block. And against that backdrop, our whole approach in dealing with the social media companies uh, now for many years is um, uh, we look at the communications, especially initially on the website, as uh, when you sign sign on to a service, you hit that gray button that says, I agree. No one ever read the contract that you just agreed to mm -hmm. underneath. I never have. I, I don't know about you. But basically what we're saying is that when it comes to the Internet, uh, a large piece of the responsibility has to fall to the companies themselves. That means set your rules, make them transparent, uh, don't have the Wizard of Oz approach. Send us an email. If we feel like coming back to you, we will, which means uh, you've got to put uh, human resources into this, human mm -hmm. beings, uh, and, uh, and set your own rules. They may not be the rules I like, but set them and live up to them. So in the early years of the Internet, it was kind of a guerrilla warfare where we saw uh, websites that we thought you know, went over uh, the line, and then would go to the companies to say, here are your rules, here's what's been said, take some action. And, you know, that probably succeeded with a couple of thousand of the websites. Mm -hmm. But like with everyone else, uh, September 11th changed our world. And the following day, we changed it from, you know, digital hate to digital terrorism and hate. Okay. But, and and, and uh, let's say in the last six, seven months, I've spoken to the National Press Club in Tokyo. Uh, was uh, ten days after the the triple attacks in the UK. Was uh, speaking with some of the superintendents 
of Scotland Yard in London, overlooking the Thames uh, River. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I travel a lot globally, and I can just say that for democracies, especially, uh, it's a huge problem because for the people who are supposed to be keeping us safe, let's say in the intelligence and police agencies, uh, they're severely limited. Uh, and unless there's a consortium that would involve the companies and the, the techno geniuses, uh, you'll excuse the euphemism, we're all screwed. Let me explain, mm-hmm. uh, explain um, uh, why. I think in the latest um, uh, uh, thwarted attack in Australia, it turns out that they, these guys were using probably WhatsApp or other encrypted technologies to speak directly to their ISIS handlers. And they were gonna go ahead and you know blow up a couple of planes and put some chemicals in an airport or maybe on an, on an airplane. And uh, the authorities were pretty much blind to everything until, thank God, there was some crack in that wall and they kind of figured it out. Okay. So uh, I, I think we really have to start, and I would say focus on the companies and the collective genius that are giving us all these wonderful opportunities to speak, to speak to uh, wonderful opportunities to uh, you know speak to our families around the world and the the commerce and uh, the medical breakthroughs. Uh, it's unbelievable. So when, we're not here to you know as it were to try to stop progress. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. But we do have to all understand that the evildoers. And this is not just a matter of hate speech and you answer hate speech with more speech. You want to talk about the food chain of terrorism. Uh, they also fully understand every aspect. The marketing capabilities would explain how teenage girls left the UK to marry ISIS fighters in Syria. Uh, the encryption, uh, which is now sort of the first commandment of every terrorist on the planet. That's an issue that has to be addressed. If it's not, in other words, every breakthrough, take for example, Facebook. Uh-huh. Facebook always got top grades. You know, we put out an annual report card. Top grades from us. All of a sudden, they decide for, for marketing and business reasons, they have to do live uh, streaming, you know, video as well. Well, surprise, surprise, terrorists were using it to broadcast the murder uh, of uh, of a couple in front of their three-year-old in France. We know all the other examples. And one of the reasons it happened was in the rush to get to the marketplace, they didn't do their usual due diligence about the social impact, which generally speaking, they have in the past. And that's really, I think, the nub of where we're, we're heading to and answering where we're gonna be in 20 years. If we're saying that techn- technology uber alles and uh, regulations or self-regulation or collective regulation be damned, then we are disarming ourselves uh, against you know, uh, terrorists. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, uh, God forbid we have more uh, situations like that that happen, uh, we can land up with a cure that's as bad as the threat. And if you want an example, look at what the Chinese government Look at the effort and the money that they put in now to continuously try to control, disrupt, and if necessary, eliminate whole aspects of the internet. Uh, you know, in order to uh, to control their society. So 
I think the bottom line of you know my experience and speaking to the companies and uh, we used to give um, Twitter an F because there was no lower grade. Mm -hmm. Now they've now improved uh, and have taken down hundreds of thousands of terrorist-linked accounts. That's hundreds of thousands. Uh, but I think right now the single biggest uh, problem for law enforcement and for intelligence is the fact that. Uh, the encryption, uh, which is now, you know, off the shelf, you just take it off of an app, uh, renders uh, police uh, surveillance of, uh, of uh, terrorists sometimes uh, useless exactly at the moment when you need it the most. Mm -hmm. And if we don't begin to collectively address those, we can have one, of, in, the, we, in the end, we land up with one of two possibilities, uh, sort of uh, government control in an area they don't even understand, which means taking away whatever privacy we may or may not have, or just throwing up our hands and saying, well, this is the new normal that we have to, uh, that we have to live with. And, um, you know, I, I just don't think uh, that needs to be the case. But in order to come up with a game plan that will work, uh, we need the uh, attention and the collective genius of the companies. By the way, um, some of those companies have begun to significantly change because the European Union was ready to slap on fines in the uh, millions and even billions of dollars. So um, I think as much as we want uh, corporate uh, players to choose to be good citizens, uh, they also know that it's going to mean good business because... Uh, certainly in Europe, where they never saw an American-based company they didn't want to find, mm -hmm. and, and were always ready to write another rule, uh, which um, is supposed to you know, control hate or hate speech, uh, they, they already have shown a lot of muscle. Uh, and not, to, you know, for example, as you know what happened with the Apple phone, uh, out here in San, in San Bernardino after the, uh, the, the uh, terrorist attack out here, uh, you know, the FBI wanted to know uh, what the messages were on that phone, and they fought them, you know, tooth and nail. In the end, basically, Apple didn't cooperate. But I can guarantee you that whether it's Apple or any of the other big boys in the block, when they go to play ball, if they do, in China, there's no hesitation to play by the rules of the Chinese. Mm -hmm. One last point, so that we can all be honest as we do look forward on this issue. Um, you know, people talk about, I don't want Big Brother, meaning Washington, uh, or Homeland Security or FBI, whatever. I don't want them uh, looking into what I'm doing. But in effect, we've already collectively created voluntarily a Big Brother by turning over voluntarily all of our information <laughs> to all of the companies. So when you... You know, if a young lady passes by the Jimmy Choo uh, store and didn't go in, well, you know what's going to happen then. Um, or to give another example that might your, your listeners may want to reflect on, a couple of years ago, one of the big companies um, had, I think, a temporary or, uh, you know, sort of experiment. They sent out an email to teenagers who they believed uh, may have been targets of online bullying, which basically said, we understand that you may have, be a target of online bullying. Uh, we hope that you're getting help on this. 
from an adult. Um, if not, if you would like us to send you some links to websites that can help you, please let us know. Mm -hmm. So what's your reaction to that, uh, to that effort? Well, your first reaction is, isn't that a wonderful thing? Because sometimes young people are even driven to suicide. So what a lovely thing. Until, if you think on it for 10 seconds, you say, hey, wait a second. How did that company know that that kid is a, is a target of cyberbullying? The answer is, we already have Big Brother. So it's not something that uh, any company really wants to discuss, because that's really the economic uh, engine. But in fact, I think if the companies, and there are signs, I think, that's beginning to look at it that way. When you have a, uh, someone who's an expert or his responsibilities, let's say, at Facebook, and to deal with terrorism, terrorism uh, Facebook probably has what to contribute, even conceptually, in dealing with the homeland security, uh, you know, the, the global efforts, since they're an international uh, uh, entity. They actually have some insights about a terrorist and the terrorist support system that the average person doesn't even think about. So I guess the bottom line in all of this is we need them fully engaged in this area. Uh, and and um, in so far as the encryption, which I think right now, uh, before it gets to be an old issue, encryption remains a huge, huge problem uh, in terms of um, uh, uh, terrorism. And based on some conversations I had with community leaders in Chicago, we have that, you know, all that gang violence. Mm -hmm. Some of these issues may also already be playing out domestically uh, and, and impacting in ways that we, we don't really know. So the bottom line is we need to move forward with our eyes uh, wide open uh, that um, uh, that technology is, is not the God, capital G-O-D. It's a phenomenal tool, and it's one... Um, uh, that that really needs we, we have to make sure that it's servicing human beings and not human beings servicing the bottom line only uh, of the uh, of the providers. And right now it's not uh, really clear. Um, one other comment, uh, just a, I don't have any special insight other than being a parent and a grandparent, mm -hmm. is that, uh, you know, we're beginning to see studies uh, where uh, teenagers uh, who are sort of connected at the hip uh, to social media, uh, they're, a lot of them are getting very, very um, isolated. Uh, some are getting deeply depressed. Uh, one of the most important things that you can say as a parent or as a friend to any young person is, you know, at a certain point, just shut the damn thing off. Uh, you know, for an hour, for a week or a day. I'm lucky. I happen to be a, uh, a religious Jew. So for me, my withdrawal pains are every week for 25 hours mm -hmm. from sundown Friday, <laughs> an hour after the Sabbath is out. And that means my two cell phones, my computer, my iPad, the computer at home, they're just quiet. They're dormant. But, you know, for a lot of Jewish teens who are uh, in our community, uh, texting, not being able to text on Shabbat, on the Sabbath, is a huge sort of 
basic challenge to a team because we're, these are the ways in which we're choosing to communicate. And since you're the expert, you know, in 20 years from now, I don't know, are we implanting something in our fingernail <laughs> uh, or whatever it's going to be? Um, uh, I, I think uh, I, I'm worried and also for one other reason, the kind of language, the way in which we express ourselves online, because we're especially to people we don't know uh, or to someone we really don't like or to a group that we hate, the kinds of things and the way they're said online um, are really having a corrosive uh, impact because there's no, basically there's no price to pay for what might be hate speech or slightly less than that, or bullying, et cetera. Uh, if that becomes the main uh, funnel through which we communicate, mm -hmm. uh, that is also something that I think we have to be deeply, uh, deeply concerned about. And uh, as you know, it touches on uh, I recently was uh, uh, down in Australia, wonderful, one of the best Jewish uh, school, elementary schools in the world. And they were having this, you know, I went through, uh, it's called Mount Scopus. Mm -hmm. The kids in the second grade already all had their iPads. And I was looking, well, they still have coloring books. But the question is, do we reduce everything? to uh, the tablet, to the computer. Uh, there is something nice about picking up a newspaper and, and reading it and picking up a real book. Where we're gonna be 20 years from now? Um, I don't know, maybe we'll be visiting uh, what used to be libraries. You know, you get a tour. Once upon a time, there were real books. So I'm not sure that every technological uh, move forward means that we're going to be uh, a healthier uh, society. Uh, and, you know, the most critical issues in life have never changed, right? Choosing to do good or not, choosing to help uh, someone, uh, a stranger. My God, the uh, uh, NGOs out there around the world that are, are helping uh, people in, in the third world or helping uh, close in, yeah, we could use these phenomenal tools, and they are being used, and by a lot of young people to do wonderful and great things. Uh, but we just have to be really, really careful to make sure uh, we're not, uh, you know, we're not being led around by the nose. Uh, if we have another minute, I want to share with you um, <laughs> what's called uh, a medrash. Medrash is sort of a uh, uh, an oral tradition based on the Bible. Okay. The first technological, the story on technology in Genesis is the building of the Tower of Babel. Mm -hmm. You know, the people got together, all the tribes, and they said, we want to build a skyscraper to the sky so we can go see God. Um, and uh, interesting story, according to the Medrash, was in order to do this, there were great technological breakthroughs. For example, building a scaffolding. They had to figure out a way how to do that. And especially how to make bricks. That was a painstaking, very complex thing. And here was the basic labor law of this building project. Um, if one of the workers on the 23rd floor of the scaffolding slipped and fell to the bottom, work went on because of the goal to reach, you know, to build this thing. And his uh -huh. remains would be part of the, you know, the... 
down down in the sub basement. But if someone dropped a brick before it was placed, where in in the, on that floor, and it broke, all work stopped, and it was a fast for twenty four hours. Okay. So what do you learn from that? That there are no new questions in the world. Meaning, when the first technology technological undertaking came about, here was the question: Is it technology serving humanity? Or is it humanity serving technology? That's the bottom line question. Fascinating. All right. Well, that's incredible. This this has been a this has been a great. It's, it's almost a monologue. I just I just had to listen, which is beautiful, and I hope everybody really enjoys this. I think I think we covered quite a bit. Uh, where can folks find out uh, more about what you're working on? Uh, they could uh, reach us at our website at Wiesenthal.com. Mm-hmm. And we also have uh, a, a lot of our research, you know, put out an annual report, mm-hmm. go up onto the, um, onto the website, there are a variety of uh, uh, apps for young people, even for law enforcement. Uh, you know, we're trying our best to do our share. And, and John, one sort of last, uh, we could also be reached at Wiesenthal, uh, info, information at Wiesenthal.net. Um, but just one piece of uh, advice: the next time you advi- uh, invite a rabbi, okay, <laughs> even myself, never, never give the rabbi an opportunity to do a monologue. <laughs> Tell him you know what? Got four questions. You know what? <laughs> I think I think this worked out. I think this worked out a lot better. You covered basically everything we needed to. You covered. You even even got into uh, some recommendations for the future. Uh, I could see I could see myself taking a uh, a two day break, telling the kids to turn everything off for twenty five hours. That'd be amazing. I think, and I think as that's long uh, as, as long as you can promise them. By the in general about parents. Sure. Ask your kids. See, adults are always shocked by all the hate and the terrorism. Kids are always bored because they see it every day. Yep. Two pieces of advice. Number one, ask actually the toughest advice for any parent. Tell them to shut off the uh, iPhone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not pulling the plug on their service. And take it half an hour to discuss bullying and the other issues and what they do when they see it. Mm-hmm. The second thing is the healthiest thing that can be done. Although if I wasn't a rabbi, I don't know if I have the guts to do it is for the family to decide, whatever it's going to be, six hours, one day, four hours, it means the adults in the room have to do the same. And when the kids see you do that, there may be hope. Mm-hmm. Get out, go to the park, you know? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Thank you, Rabbi Cooper. I really appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Technotopia is brought to you by Typewriter. Typewriter is your on-demand editor, and their amazing team of writers will make your book chapter, blog post, or email shine. Typewriter editors come from places like TechCrunch, Gizmodo, and the New York Times, and they offer low bulk rates for longer work. Check it out at typewriter.plus. That's typewriter.plus.